Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have an interview and I'm here with Mike from the Paranormal Road Trippers. Now Mike, you're my first paranormal investigator on here. I'm super excited. So we met at a psychic fair we were both at and we decided it would be fun to get together and chat about investigating. I know nothing about this topic. Like I talk to ghosts all the time, but I have never looked at finding proof or doing an investigation. So I'm really excited. And I know you, I think what I'm interested too is I've heard you have creepy dolls. I do. I have a few creepy dolls. I got some creepy Victorian photographs, paintings, portraits. I'm very big into Victorian era hauntings. That's cool. So tell me about the paranormal road trippers. What do you guys do? So the Paranormal Road Trippers, what we do is um, our slogan is history as a voice, and we want to be that voice. So we will go all over British Columbia, Alberta, Washington, Oregon. We're probably going to be going into California in 2023. And we love to go find all the remote, less talked about historical and haunted locations and kind of share their story, have them come to light, educate people on these places before they're gone. And what better way is to try and talk to the previous tenants. (laughs) And you guys put a lot of this on your YouTube channel, right? We do. We've started doing episodes because we've been going to so many different locations to to share the history, share the stories of places. And we now think it's time to start publishing and putting out our findings because I think it's very important as a paranormal investigator to share your research, to show people the hauntings, to connect the dots to the history, to the previous tenants. I like that word for it. I often, when I do mediumship work, I call them dearly departed, right? Because they come in and they help and they have messages. So I like that idea of previous tenants because it sounds so, um, I don't know, just just welcoming. And it. I think it, not to de-spookify, but it desinisterizes the idea of residual energy that is in a space. I tell yeah. my kids all the time I'm going to haunt them. Oh, me too. That, that, that's <laughs> a goal. Oh, no, there's a couple of people I'm going to haunt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it, I, I like to say previous tenants because I respect them. They were once living. They once had stories. They once had Christmases, just like you and I. And they're still there in a lot of places. And they still want to have conversations and it's amazing to, to be able to try and do that. Uh, like we'll go to locations and before we go to places, we'll we'll read up on the history of Aunt Edna lived in this house from 1905 to 1911. So instead of like just asking generic questions of if anyone's here, knock, we'll be like, hi, Aunt Edna, we're here to have a chat with you here with you. We hear from the people that live here right now that, sh- that you frequent the hallways. So come talk to us. So we try to be very personal with our investigations and respectful. I like that. I like the idea of just, well, because again, because I do work with dearly departed, I work with spirit guides and often 
when people come through, it takes a lot of energy to come through. And I think it takes a lot of energy to, to haunt. Like it's easier for, for them to communicate, like I'm a medium, so I can get my energy resonating high enough that I can connect. But it does take quite a lot of work for them to come down and to talk to us, to actually manifest things on kind of a mundane kind of physicals. That must be tiring. I don't know. Do you you know? (laughs) It is. We call it a paranormal hangover the next day. (laughs) Wow. Because like our videos, they're like 40 minutes, 30 minutes long. But really, we're there for two days, three days, hours and hours and hours communicating to like an empty room, trying to solicit conversations with, with the spirits. And it does. It takes a lot of energy, especially it drains our batteries because they say spirits can drain batteries. They can drain our energy. They can make, make your, your tools and your gear malfunction all in the name of trying to communicate with you. And that's, those are things we take into account as well. We are always heavy on battery supply. (laughs) Okay. Tell me more about that. So like actually when you're running your equipment in a space where there's paranormal activity, your battery doesn't last as long as say when you're at home using the same equipment in a less haunted space. Sometimes I I, I would say yes to that. Um, Cause with a lot of our investigations, we put in fresh batteries cause we want optimal time. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have to stop what we're doing 20 minutes in cause somebody didn't change the batteries from the last investigation. Mm-hmm. And we will kind of timestamp when we put all the new fresh batteries into how long they usually last for. And there could be tons of variables like, Oh, it's it's cold. Batteries don't do well in the cold. Um, batteries have been sitting around long, expired, cheap mm-hmm. ones, non-lithium. But that's all things we, we obviously take into account. But then we're, when we're running temperature gauge, like we have something called an EDI Plus. It's a piece of paranormal gear that is a proximity sensor. And what the EDI Plus does is it logs data, but it logs the data of EMF, vibrations, temperature, and temperature and and can you just expand for anyone who hasn't heard emf before what's emf electromagnetic frequency thank you um and a lot of people could be like well that's my fridge that's my outlets yes it could be but on an investigation we take a k2 meter which is just a emf detector Mm -hmm. and we will go through a whole house and we will kind of log down on i always have a, a notepad Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a Bible for us where we will write down every hot spot where there is EMF that won't be paranormal. It'll be your your fuse box, your computers, your TV area and all that stuff. But if we're getting EMF spikes and temperature dips and then the batteries are <sighs> draining at the same time, we're like, well, maybe that is something. That's interesting. So what I'm hearing you say is at the beginning of an investigation, you'll go in and you'll almost like set zero, like you'll take a baseline reading. It's exactly it's similar to like a photographer, like a photographer on a movie crew will take a baseline light reading mm-hmm. before they light a scene mm-hmm. or, or a baseline sound before they do a sound, like do soundscapes. Yep, we'll walk through with our K2 or a millimeter, and a millimeter is kind of similar. It, it detects milligauss and and a bit of EMF. But we will log, like I said, all the spots where we're going to avoid because it's going to have, it's going to conflict with, with what we're doing. 
um, due to the resonating EMF. But yeah, we do do that in some places, especially restaurants or other heavily elect- like electrical place. We'll actually ask them to to kill their stuff for a while, like turn turn everything off, and then because it'll be quiet for one. But then two, we'll we'll get more accurate readings on everything. Right. Okay. So let's just in because I know there's got to be a lot of nuance here, and I feel like this is a huge topic, and I'm a half hour or so. So um, part two, part three. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have you back. Totally would love to have you back. Now, you mentioned a couple of different equipment. So before we get into the equipment, like you go into a space. So you've told us you research the space. You go into a space. You do your baseline reading. And then what does it look like? And and for you said for about, say, half hour, 40 minutes of YouTube time, you're there for two days. Yep. So it's kind of like a highlight reel of, of the thing of the things we get. Wow. Because ghosts where people want sometimes people don't want to talk to you Uh (laughs) we'll we'll try different techniques we'll try like our team is multi what's the word we can speak different languages so we'll we'll, we'll try different languages we'll try different people that are said to have haunted the house from doing our research We'll, we'll try all these different techniques to try and gain communication there's a lot of investigations where we don't even get anything just crickets nothing and that's okay because for a location, like say if you called us and you said, Mike, my place is haunted. Okay. What we're, what we're going to ask you to do is before we even come there, unless it's an emergency, like you guys are getting tormented, which happens. It does. Um, yeah. We'll ask you to log your activity for two weeks every day. Okay. It could be to a crack, to like footsteps, to being touched. But we want, we want to, again, it's like a baseline. We want to gain the consistency of when it's happening. Could it be a residual haunting? Whereas it's the same thing every night because of some sort of traumatic energy. Mm-hmm. Or could it be an intelligent haunting people kind of playing with you or cohabitating your house? Mm-hmm. So these are all things that we consider when we're when we're getting ready to do our investigations. And then it gives us a better time. So if nothing happens at your house from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., but everything happens from 4 to 6, we're coming at 4 to 6. <laughs> right. Well, totally. Yeah. When you go to some of the less known, because you did mention, I can't remember if we were recording when you mentioned it or not, but you personally have a thing for Victorian hauntings. Oh, I do. I do. So with older Victorian hauntings, like in my, kind of in my mind, I think of them as more residual, like the woman who walks, the widow walk every night, right? Or on a storm, you see so-and-so or like this. Oh my goodness. I'm going to take a screenshot of that. This is so cool. We're on Zoom, loves. And into the frame, Mike has brought this beautiful portrait. And it's not just the way it's drawn, like that portrait has energy in it. Oh yeah. Heavy. Yeah. That 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 that's that would be the perfect definition of of Victorian. Or like, and here's another thing I'll bring in, in just to show you, we can tell the listeners. Is this <laughs> Oh, look at that. That's a mirror. Victorian era mirror. Beautiful yeah. Victorian mirror. And those are all the... And lately I've been getting a lot of people contacting me and, and sending me and giving me their stuff to investigate and, and things they don't want to have in their house anymore because of the energy. Mm-hmm. And they may or may not have a Ouija board from 1953 just <laughs> right here. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another thing I collect. I don't know. 
haunted Ouija boards. Yeah, a lot of them tend to get haunted. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with a spirit board. I mean, it's a divination tool. My personal opinion is I think sometimes they become very haunted because we invite haunting into them because the collective conscience believes they will haunt. So it kind of, and we're getting into some of my own belief systems, but it is my podcast that I chat about all the time. So um, when the collective conscience is believing about things, it can accelerate that manifestation. Mm-hmm. That, and that, what about the creepy doll behind you? Is that just a regular doll? It is said to be haunted. I have yet to investigate it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of in the spot of my non-protected area. This whole section right here mm-hmm. there's a ton of victorian stuff there's a victorian doll ouija boards there's all protection around it like mm-hmm. um it's welcomed in my home but i call it the haunted corner right go anywhere else and if it does it's, it's out of my it's out of here yeah then they don't get to hang out in the space and, and boundaries there's so that's beautiful to know that personally you have boundaries around the haunted items you invite or allow into your home mm-hmm. that's and, very uh, important but yeah with we have a victorian doll that we've been investigating with this film crew and we've done actually on our youtube channel it's called in van city mm-hmm. and it's we've done part one where we investigated it and we interviewed the lady who owns it and she's remained confidential because mm-hmm. um, it's a family heirloom doll but it said, well, whoever owns the doll becomes a spinster. Interesting. So that's, um, she is currently with another team because I work with a few teams. And what mm-hmm. I like to do with haunted objects is, sure, it looks, it's kind of like a placebo effect. Is it haunted or is it not haunted? Because, um, you know, if you see a, a spooky looking house, you autom- automatically think it's haunted or like a doll or, or whatever. So what I like to do is I like to have a couple teams investigate the items and bring me their findings. Well, I'm going to tell you what my psychic hit on is it just sure. as you were talking and you can take it to your team for whatever it's worth. I don't even know if I'll keep it in the podcast, but I, my feeling is, is whatever is first haunting that doll, the original haunted is um, it it's either a stillborn child or a child that died very young, probably doesn't know its name and it's claiming whoever has the doll as its parent. And there's like um, an unhealthy partnership there. Wow! If you, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the the video that we're okay. on, it. and what you just said, you'll be like, oh boy, with some of the things that the the client was saying happens. Interesting. I would love that. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah. So haunted objects. I love them. If um, if you know anyone or any of your listeners have any, I would yeah. love to investigate them. I would love to help you with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I collect them, but I also work with a team in Seattle. Um, they're called a ghost advanced ghost hunters of Seattle Tacoma. my friend Ross, he owns a haunted museum in Seattle called spooked in Seattle. It's like a death museum. He collects haunted objects from all over the world. And what's unique about his place is he just doesn't hoard them. He educates people and he has a safe place for these place, these items to go. I what about, him. have you worked with clients so that they can have a I don't know what the right word is but so that they can have a mutually respectable relationship with their haunted object like if it's an heirloom if it's something that people don't want to let go of can you are you able to work with people and have people in your team so that 
you can have that haunted item, but similar to your haunted corner where there's respect and boundary that it will stop causing chaos. Yep. So uh, the way I view that is the way I view some hauntings. Like people will move into a house and, and then we'll get a call. And we'll be like, well, these people used to live here. And they're like, who are these weird people moving in now? So they're bugging you because they don't think you belong here. So you need to have that boundary conversation mm-hmm. uh, with with your previous tenants and say that you're here to live and they're here to live and kind of coexist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's just saying those words out loud in your new place and it helps. And it's the same sort of thing with, with these objects. And family heirlooms, because when I've gone to people's houses with haunted objects, that that's basically what we talk about is just have a conversation with with that doll, with that comb or that painting saying you respect them, you respect their space, you are aware of their history and their story. Now you're here. So why don't we just exist together? And it usually 9.5 out of 10 times that cleans it up. Wow. Or respecting. It's all just an acknowledgement as well. Mm. I know a lot of times when I have cleared homes, like when there's residual, a lot of times when you go into a home, it's residual energy. It's residual, alive human energy that's stuck and you just need to clear it, you know, talk with the people and it's emotional work that has to happen on the, on the client's part. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a dearly departed person who's trying to help them or who's stuck. Mm-hmm. and needs assistance crossing or has for whatever reason it was a shock or one of the most beautiful ones um I ever did was I had a client who had and often she didn't even go to the hospital because it happened so often she had multiple um miscarried babies and then at one point she did she had her her child and the child grew old and then after the child moved out the basement started becoming haunted or unsettled. It, they, no one liked going down there. So we worked together. And what happened is every single one of these, um, every single soul came forward and they had messages for her. And their job had been to keep the child who was born safe through that child's whole childhood. Wow. And they act at, they acted as guardian angels. And now that the child had become an adult and moved out of the house, they wanted to say goodbye before they left her. It was one of the most beautiful works I'd ever done. Well, I can imagine. Yeah, it was, it was, we, everyone was crying. We were all crying. It was one of the most peaceful, most beautiful, most loving. So I like the reason I bring it up is I like how you talk about cohabitating and that when we have these spirits or we have these entities or hauntings, that it's not necessarily a negative thing, that it's energy, it's people and people are dynamic. You know, some people aren't friendly before their first cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. So, and just working with those energies and how um, just, I don't know, it just sounds lovely. Yeah. Like I often tell people that sometimes if a person was overly cranky when they were alive, there's a high chance they're going to be overly cranky when they're dead. (laughs) They will treat you the same way, dead or alive. That's like when, if you watch a lot of the TV shows, everything's a demon. Their demons are everywhere. They're in your bathroom. They're under your bed, Mm -hmm. in your closet. I've been doing this since 1997, 98, and I've yet, knock on wood, 
to experience a demon or see a demon in the field. I, I, yeah. I think I think a lot of people miscategorize. I'll get again trouble for saying that, but whatever. They miscategorize cranky spirits. Yeah. Even malevolent. I'll say the word malevolent because sometimes they do want to screw with you. They don't want you around, and they're going to. Yeah. They'll, they will oppress you and that stuff. And never experience that part. And that's one thing that I, I, I share often is I think the scariest thing to happen to me, and it gives me goosebumps even thinking about it, is I got choked once by a spirit. Yeah, that's scary. I'm very like I'm a, I've got a pretty type A personality with, with my job, and I like to control my little bubble mm-hmm. around me. And I was in a at an investigation in Merritt, and I felt something grab my throat, and there was nothing there. Then it squeezed a bit, and I was like, "Oh crap!" As use a little harsher word, <laughs> it panicked me, and I went outside, and I I like got sick because it rattled me so much. Yeah. And then when I went back, I got back on the horse, so to speak, and went and back in the house, and we heard this loud growl, which we have we have both things filmed and. Looking back on it now, because I've been really going down the respect path and being very positive, and because that's what we want. There's a couple of things we did wrong that night. We didn't introduce ourselves. We just kind of walked in like we own the place and tried to have not forceful, but direct conversations. Mm-hmm. But looking back on it, these guys, because these guys probably, the spirits were from the 1911s. 1990s. Oh, yeah. So they're going to be a little more gruff with you. Yes. And it's not going to be... And I think that's what could have been happening. And yeah. We've been back to that place since. And I find that when you introduce yourself and you say your intent and what you're doing, it kind of, you know, more positive responses. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a really good lesson. I know myself because I, I do shamanic work and I do journeying that we have a conversation around there. There's 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 nothing evil and there's nothing good. Things just are as they are. And in our field, too, we are susceptible to attachments. Yes. And I've had them, unfortunately. Yeah. I've had a really bad one that I couldn't get rid of on my own, and I had to call in reinforcements. And yeah. And I got and I got in trouble from, like, my reinforcements saying, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't do anything. <laughs> well, and it happens, right? It I find that it helps me learn about my blind spot, right? My blind spot was false sense of security. Mm-hmm. I'd have like 20 pounds of stones in my pocket <sighs> and basically barely holding my pants up. I need like two belts because the amount of protection stones <laughs> I'd have in that. But then I whittled it down just to onyx. Nice. Onyx, onyx and, and rose quartz. Yes. Oh, ni- that's a nice combination. Hey. Yeah. Those are my two. And uh, I take those everywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't need all the ones. I, like I, even on my computer here, I have, I have all of my stones because it's right beside my haunted corner so it's all kind of all it's all on selenite too we're we're good constantly charging (laughs) yes (laughs) and protection's a big thing too but we get into this debate in our field too of people like oh i don't believe in stones or, or just rocks or i don't believe in sage i don't believe in the cross you can believe in anything that's your protection it's all about your intent Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting you bring up blind spots because you're you're the first to make me think about that and mine was false sense of security they can't hurt me i'm 20 pounds of rocks in my pocket i'm good yeah mine is all um i'll think i can do it myself and i don't call in my helper spirits uh right right i get like that wonder woman's kind of syndrome (laughs) super witch or whatever and then i i i will fall flat on my face right and i will end up at one of my teacher's houses going help (laughs) (laughs) help me i've made a mess whoops (laughs) 
Let's talk about equipment. Equipment is cool. I know people are interested in equipment. If you had to go into something, what is your most favorite go-to equipment? Oh, I want to know what, if you could only take one thing, what it is. And also similar but different, what is the piece of equipment that just you just love? That's just like totally lighting your fire right now. Maybe you don't want it on every investigation, but it's like super cool and juicy and you think it's awesome. I'm kind of boring and basic in in, in, in the field. Um, my favorite piece of gear is my audio recorder. Most okay. evidence we obtain is all through audio and we get something which is called an EVP, which means electronic voice phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'll be talking to you at your house and we'll have an audio recorder going. Or we'll be doing our sessions trying to communicate with spirits and voices will come through our audio recorders. Our, our naked ears can't hear it. Sometimes we can through our headphones. Mm-hmm. But that's my favorite type of evidence because it's does, concrete. Does it record like, is it, I'm old, is it like a Sony Walkman? Like, is it just like you're just recording or is it recording at different sound frequencies like dog whistle frequency and lower frequencies? It's like a studio recorder, something a musician would use, like a Zoom. I oh, okay. Just basic. You're basic. You can use your phone for audio recording, hmm. but you can also pick it apart. Where I like using Zoom recorders because they record in a file format called Wave. Yes. And Wave format doesn't compress or condense. It That's is right. as raw as your audio mm-hmm. is going to be to like a tape. Mm-hmm. And when you do MP3, it just condenses it, makes it all tinny, and it gets rid of everything, and mm-hmm. it has the. And I don't know if you know this, but according to Neil Young, there's a whole like wavelength that isn't recorded on MP3. And that's why Neil Young hates MP3s and he will only listen to albums or tapes. I did not know that, but that makes so much sense. And then like you can, we set our recorders up on different frequencies. Like it'll be like different formats of wave to Uh try and get different audio responses because we'll run about three or four recorders. My favorite shiny piece of gear that I own right now mm-hmm. is called the Flux 2. Well, yeah, what the Flux 2 does is it, it's a proximity sensor, and you can sense it. So it's little two little IR blasters. You know how, like, TV remotes? It's the same technology of the way you change your channels. You know, Okay. That little red light you see? Mm-hmm. So it, it emits these IR blasters, and if those IR blasters are broken, then, then lights... And noise goes off, and it's a big drama. <laughs> and you can sense it from two to three feet, three to three to four feet, and I think four to six feet. So now, in my imaginative head, what I'm seeing is that scene from Mission Impossible with all the red lasers. <laughs> there are no lasers, but uh, it's 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 invisible. Yeah. Uh, but we had some real good hits with it on one of our last investigations when we were in the interior. One of the haunts was. You can hear a male, they say a male spirit walking up and down the hallway mm-hmm. upstairs. And it's an old Victorian house. So we were on the main floor and we can hear footsteps. We're like, oh, shoot, let's go put the flux up there. And then we'll hear the footsteps. There's no one there. It's a historic house. It's closed mm-hmm. down for us. There's no one there. And we hear the footsteps go one way. The flux goes off. Then it goes down. You hear the footsteps going the other way. The flux goes off on the other side. So it's tracking whatever was walking. Yeah. Is so cool. Yeah, that is so cool. And and pieces of gear like that, I I I really like. Um, a lot of people use cell phone apps. 
I don't I don't agree with those because I don't think they're accurate. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think you can have an EMF detector in your cell phone, but you can mm-hmm. have an app that says it's detect. Get the tools. <laughs> yeah. But um, that that would be my favorite piece of gear right now. That that's that's the go-to. Um, I'm very big into proximity sensors and sensory deprivation. I really like that stuff. Like there's a a thing we do called the Estes method. And that's a two-person investigation. One person, we'll call the guinea pig, goes into the haunted section of a house or building. And we put a blindfold on them. And we put noise-canceling headphones on attached to our SB7 spirit box. And that's a device that just goes through radio frequencies at a, at a moderate speed. Now that that was at the psychic fair on on the Sunday, so I didn't see that. So, yeah. so similar technology that that was Bill that brought those on 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 Sunday. Uh-huh. But I took the um, the antenna out of mine, so you don't hear any noise. So if you're getting a voice come through, that's that could be something. Okay, because um, they say spirits can can mimic or kind of change around, use the frequencies to, to say words. And then, so while that investigator has that on, they can't hear anything or see anything or sense anything around them. And then the other investigator will go in the other room and start asking EVP questions. So I could be asking, is the sky blue? And if they say yes, right after we answer that, that could, they can't hear or see what we're asking or any sort of questions of like, did you live here? What was your name? Well, anything and we get some real cool responses doing that because you're taking the actual questioning it's extremely non-partial yeah that's what it sounds like so what i'm hearing is the person receiving with the spirit box doesn't know the question you're asking correct and because you've already said that you log everything you'll know like somewhere you have written down the order of the questions you know when you started asking them when you finished and then you can coordinate the answers that the second person who's in a different room than you. Yeah, we will we'll run us we'll run cell phones. Like I would I would call you. Yeah. And we would have the phones on speaker, except I would mute when I ask the question. <gasps> so they can't hear just to make sure they can't hear they can't hear you anyways because they got the noise canceling on. Right. But just that extra can't hear it. Cause then that's how we hear the their response in real time. Because when we're asking these questions, we're writing them down in our book so it's consistent. Yeah. And yeah, we get a lot of cool, interesting hits with that. That's really neat. So that's that's one of my favorite favorite things we do now. Because it's extremely non-partial. Like it's, and that's what I like about it. Now here's a loaded question. Since you have made contact and you're on these investigations, do you get a sense of why a place, why one place is haunted and why one isn't? Um. Do I get a sense? Like, you mean as an investigator? Like, when we go to place A, it's haunted, place B isn't? No, like, why Why is it that, say, my house is haunted and my neighbor's isn't? Like, what is it that, that what would make, like, we've joked back and forth, oh, I'm going to haunt people, blah, blah, blah. But what makes a spirit, have you gotten any information or do you have a personal opinion about what would create a haunting like why would someone be haunting or or what's going on in a formula of a haunting is yeah you could have an attachment the urn in your closet could have an attachment because that's a dead loved one Mm -hmm. um there could have been a traumatic event with the previous people that live there somebody could have 
hurt themselves. They could have died there. There could have been any sort of murder. There could have been pioneers that lived on that land way before you and something happened on your piece of the land versus your neighbors. Um, you could, with doing your works like you do, could attach things to come home with you. Um, your son could have got a cool something or other and it had energy on it. You could your could have done the Ouija board in in your bedroom one day. Your kids could have been playing with that stuff. It's all that sort of. There's so many variables to what could be a, variables to what could be a haunting. Like for me, I even smudge my gear. I don't yeah, want oh yeah. Nothing. Yeah, I find everyday energy can can be a haunting, but a lot of times it's the land, it's the property, it's it's the energy. Do you find that it corresponds to anything like ley lines? Like I know a lot of pagan style people and new age people, there's a, there's ley lines, like certain longitudinal stretches will have more activity than others. So you'll get a bunch in a row, then you'll kind of have more of a dense spot. Have you seen or noticed anything that corresponds to that? 100%. It's a conductor. It conducts the energy. It's an amplifier to to something that could be so minimal to make it a lot more noticeable. Mm-hmm. I totally do. I see that for sure. That's neat. It's really neat to talk to someone though, who has, because I've been doing like, like divination and psychic work for so long to talk to someone who's like, Oh yeah, I, I have a recording and yes, I have like evidence based stuff. <laughs> like that's really cool for me. <laughs> yeah. I can send you clips of just generic EVPs we've gotten. Like we're putting up a website and I'm putting up a bunch of clips on there too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like that, that, that's, that's the one thing I, I like giving people validation. Like one thing we'll get called to people's homes. We don't go to places for poops and giggles. Right. We go there, we go there to help people. People yeah. call us because they're vulnerable. They have a haunting going on and they're leaning on us for help. And what we'll do is we'll validate for them. But if we need to help, I'll be like, Paisley, can you come out for a while? <laughs> I've, like, I've been working with Paisley since 2015, 2016. She's lovely. I'm hoping to get her on the podcast. I've been, I've been picking at her and she's busy. And so I'm really hoping in 2023 that we'll sit down because she's just such a lovely human being. Absolutely. And like that's Paisley's awesome at, at clearing and helping people, their houses. So people call us because they want help or they want validation. But then, okay, we have evidence. We bring you some, some spooky clips of voices we've caught in your house. But then what? Right. I think aftercare is a big, big thing that more paranormal teams need to do. Because I care about the clients after because I care about their well-being. And I also care about the spirits and I want them to be happy too. No, we always want to have resolution. And just talking to you, it sounds like I think just your whole perspective on respecting the space, respecting the previous tenants, having conversations with the current tenants about like, this is what we have. I think you're under underscoring how changing that can be for someone who may think they're going crazy or that they're overreacting just to get that validation and to get very straightforward solutions to what can seem like a very otherworldly problem. 100%. Right? Like if they can just maybe prune the garden better and then the old lady who used to sit and and tend her garden all the time will not rattle the shades. Stuff and I'm just totally making something up. But that, but, but things like that are accurate. There's there's a location in on the, in the Caribou 
where a medium said, okay, this, this guy needs a bottle of whiskey and a cigarette left out for him and he's good. Yeah. So that's what we did. And it's been good ever since If you move that or tamper with it, then it's game on. So tell me a little bit more about spiritual aftercares. You check in with your clients then. hundred percent. So we check in. We won't only go once to an investigation. We'll go twice, three times. Because we want to get that consistency of, was it a one-off? Could it have been a traveling spirit, something passing through? Or is there definitely something there? Mm-hmm. And then we'll get all of our information and our findings and we'll present it to a client. Like, we'll, we'll come over for a reveal. Like, we won't just email it to you. We want to talk to you in person so we can provide our input and what we think. And then if they're like, oh, my God, this thing needs to go, I'm, I, I will, I'll be straight up like, I can't do that. I, yeah. I give you your validation. But what I can do is get you in contact with people. And that, that's kind of the aftercare we do. And it's important because you don't want to leave people hanging, especially with spiritual stuff or things out of their control in this realm. Yeah. That's just, it's ethical for me. I'm very big into ethics. So yeah, <laughs> well, this has been lovely. I want to make sure that you say out loud for everyone before we sign off. I want to make sure everyone knows where they can find you on the beautiful web. So you have a podcast as well. I do. I do a. I have a once a month podcast spot on Spaced Out Radio. It's uh, the third Wednesday of every month. It's called Ghosts of the Great White North. And we interview all different sorts of paranormal investigators that have been on TV, that are from all around the world. It's, it's, it's a fun show. Come listen. It's two hours. It's live. It's syndicated. So that means it's all on the radio waves all over, everywhere. So like uh, for real radio? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so if we Google that, we can find it. Com, yeah. Okay. And, and then, then you have a YouTube channel. We do. So you can find us at the Paranormal Road Trippers. We're on YouTube. Then the Paranormal Road Trippers on TikTok. The Paranormal Road Trippers on Instagram. Instagram, we're extremely active. We post daily. If you have questions, concerns, needing help, answers, we're here. We Paranormal and I do a show notes, which is always on my website, jodiannepsychicmediaton.com. And I'm going to link to your Insta. I'm going to link to the radio show i'm gonna link to your youtube for sure so my earbud coven can go to our show notes and find all your information awesome i like that earbud coven that's cool yeah they're my little earbud coven (laughs) awesome (laughs) oh next time i'll tell you ghost stories oh my god that would be so fun to ghost stories episode for sure yeah And then, um, yeah, this has been fun. Oh, and can you send me some pictures of your your creepy dolls? Because I did take a screenshot of, of the picture, but if you can send a good one, and I'll, I'll put that up in the show notes. Sounds good. I will do that for you either tonight or tomorrow morning. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Mike.